This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I want to encourage you today uh, to get God's heart, the Father heart of God, for people, for situations and circumstances that are all around you, Every single day, but most importantly, for those that are our children, not only natural, but our spiritual kids. Um, and so this morning, I just want to, again, I want to share about what do we do with a dream. And uh, how many know that some of probably the most famous uh, speech quite possibly ever given in the history of our planet uh, was Do You Have a Dream by Martin Luther King uh, Jr. And I'll tell you, it was one of the most powerful uh, moments, not only in U.S. history, but I'll say in global history. It's something that has literally spanned the test of time and has touched hearts and has changed lives. Um, but as Wayne Codero says in one of his books, which he's one of my favorite authors, he said this, God has a dream for each person, but that dream comes unassembled. And unless you're from Ikea and have an Allen key, sometimes you don't know what to do with those unassembled projects. Um, but I have news for you today. Uh, not only does God have a dream for you, but God has a dream not only for you, but through you. To uh, other people. And every time that dream comes, it always comes with an unassembled package, batteries not included, right? And so sometimes we've got to think beyond where we're at. There's one of the, my most famous verses in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And in the Amplified Version, it says this Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, And dreams according to his power that is at work within us. According to his power that is at work within us. I have news for you this morning. There's something that can propel your dreams greater than anything else. And his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can do the super abundant in your life. If you make a choice to align yourself with his plans, his purposes, his dreams, his goals, his vision, and his ideas. Because when we align ourselves to kingdom purpose, then kingdom power takes over. And we get to surf along the side of the wave just for the ride, and we get to see what God's hand does. Wayne Coderre in another uh, book, he said this, So as long as breath remains in our lungs, untapped potential lies inside us, waiting to be released. The reason we are still alive today is that we are carrying something inside of us that this generation needs. That's why we're not in heaven yet. And sometimes when we go through the process and the circumstances of life, oftentimes we look at them and we say, God, why? Why? Why are we here? Why are we struggling through this? Why are we facing these issues? Why are we facing this dilemma? Why are we struggling? Why do we not understand? And I have news for you this morning. God makes a decision, an intentional decision of his will to partner with humanity. Why? Because he knows the lives that you can touch because of your testimony and your story. And the the fact that your story is so unique. It's not copied. It's not replicated. It's not anything else. It is your story. It's unique. And it's God's redemption story through your life that will transform the hearts of others around you. That's the heart of God for you this morning. Do you believe that? Amen. I don't know about you, but as fathers and as men in particular, men, uh, dreams often define us. They fill our minds with a sense of hope. They fill our minds with a sense of purpose. 
And it reminds us all the time that there's something greater beyond ourselves. As men, we often live for something beyond ourselves. That's why words like legacy touch our hearts. When we hear the word legacy, it it does something in a man. And women don't take this the wrong way, but it does something in a man that is so uniquely different than a woman. We hear that word purpose. We hear vision. We hear dreams. We hear goals. We hear plans. And something about us gets excited. For us as fathers, it's the same way. But I have news for you today. God the Father sees it the same way. He gets excited about purposes. He gets excited about dreams. He gets excited about your story because he knows when he's a part of it, anything's possible. Do you believe that this morning? But what we do with the dream of God in our life is the key. What do we do with it? A dream is very simply this. It's a condition or achievement that is longed for. If I can put another word on it, it's an aspiration. We aspire to something. We aspire towards something. All right? And, but there's, there's three very specific things that I want to share with you this morning. Three very specific things that I want to teach you this morning on how we deal with the dream of God. The first thing is this. We have to be a dream pursuer. The definition of pursue is this. To follow someone or something in order to catch them. To follow someone in order to catch them. How many of you have ever played uh, you know, a game with maybe some young people and, and uh, there was always one kid when you were playing tag that was faster than everyone else? It's the most frustrating thing in the world because no one could ever get them, right? And they never, ever lost in that game because they could outrun everybody and they just keep running far away from you and you never felt like you could catch up. Unfortunately, far too many people, far too many men and far too many fathers live their life that way. I can never catch it. I can never attain it. I can never get there. It just feels like I'm just in a sense of futility. I can never get to the place that God has for me. I have news for you this morning. God is not done with you yet. As a matter of fact, God's just beginning. He's just beginning. Take everything that he's done in your life to this moment and count it a privilege and count it an honor that you've learned things. But from this moment on, your life starts. Do you believe that? Amen? Amen. So I guess the question for us this morning is, what are we pursuing and what are we trying to catch? The first meeting between Peter and Jesus gives away some really, really cool thoughts. I'm going to read it to you this morning. It's in Matthew 4, 18 to 20, and it's on the screen, I believe, behind me. And it says this, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. They fished for a living. That was their job. It was their employment. That's what they did. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Talk about a ridiculous statement. If you see someone fishing for the first time, that would not be the question that would come to my mind. I'd be like, hey, how's it going out there? You know, are the fish biting today? Anything. First thing he says is, hey, come follow me. Forget what you're doing. Come follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. There's two different dreams that they could have pursued. Two different things they could have put their energy and effort into. But at the end of the day, they made a choice between a fishing career and a kingdom career. And the cool thing with God is when you choose a kingdom career, he'll use your fishing career no matter what. Sometimes we have this mindset that we can't choose one or the other. I cannot choose my, my, my employment over the kingdom of God. Well, I have news for you today. When you choose the kingdom of God, it touches every area of your life. It doesn't matter where you are. So if you're at school, if you're at work, if you're, if you're a stay-at-home parent, it doesn't matter what you do or where you are. God will touch your heart in a profound way. Jesus wanted to release something 
into Peter. He wanted to implant something into his heart. He wanted to implant God's dream in his life. And he caught it. The one thing I've realized about dreams is they're not taught, they're caught. They're not taught. I can sit up here all day long and teach you, teach you, teach you, teach you. But, it, you know, sometimes I've had people, I mean, probably my parents would say the same thing. Son, I've said this to you for 25 years. <laughs> Why don't you get it? Um, because? <laughs> sometimes because just doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? But the dream of God is not something you teach. It's something that is caught. It's caught in the very depths of who you are. It drives you nuts because you can't shake it. It's always a part of you. It, it, it speaks to you. It, it reminds you. It, it, it calls to you. It beckons you. And you just, you can't get away from it. Peter, for the very first time in his life, he heard the very words of God spoken through Jesus the Son, declaring, uh, how about you do the kingdom work? And he responded immediately. I love in John chapter 1, it's actually the Apostle John's description of the exact same event told in his perspective. And this is what he says in John chapter 1. It says, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas or Peter, which literally in this case, in this version says, which means Peter In the King James Version, it says, which means rock. What's interesting about Simon is the word Simon literally means reed. Peter means rock. And what was Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, when you you get a hold of the dream and the purpose and the plan of God for your life, you can't be like a reed because when circumstances come and it blows you all over the place, you won't be able to stand. You'll fall every single time. But when you're a rock, nothing it will shake you. Nothing will move you. Nothing will, will get you off course because you are planted. You're firmly found, your foundations are firmly rooted. There's nothing that's going to be said or done that is going to shake you from your purpose in Christ. Because you know at the end of the day, without Christ, we have nothing. So something has to change. Something about our identity has to change. Can I ask you men especially this morning, fathers especially, what's your identity in? Is it in your job? Is it in what you do? Is it in how well you are, uh, uh, how much you accomplish or how successful you are as an individual? Or is it something that is so deeply rooted in the very identity that Christ has implanted in your heart? That you are a son of God. Not the son of God, but a son of God. So much of your future depends on how you see yourself in the eyes of Christ and how you welcome his view of you. Jesus released the dream into Peter. But Peter had to pursue the dream giver. You have to understand this morning, God will plant thoughts and ideas. Sometimes he speaks prophetically. Sometimes he speaks through a song. Sometimes he speaks through his word. Sometimes he speaks through a pastor on a Sunday morning. Sometimes. Sometimes he speaks through your small group leader or a Christian friend or someone that you're, uh, you know, Facebook messaging back and forth and something, some phrase that is just dropped in that message uh, speaks to you. God can speak through anything. But at the end of the day, you have to make a choice. Am I going to be a person that just sits there and looks around at everything around me, or am I going to pursue the very person that gave me the dream? Remember the concept of pursuing is to, is to pursue someone in order to catch them. I have news for you. When you pursue the dream giver, all the dreams come with it. 
But if you pursue the dream, you may miss the giver because you may get your eyes focused on the wrong thing. There's a second thing that we have to do. Not only do we have to be a, 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 a dream pursuer, we need to pursue the very person that gave the dream. But the second thing we need to do is we need to be a good steward of the dreams that God gives us. A steward, the definition of it is simply this, someone who manages or takes care of that which belongs to another. Problem with so many of us today, and I can't necessarily say where this has come from other than culture definitely influences us this way, is we've been told since a very young age, let's pursue, the, pursue our goals, pursue our dreams, have short-term goals, long-term goals, pursue, 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 pursue. And at the end of the day, it kind of sounds a lot like me, 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 me. Right? But God wants to take us to a place where we're going to pursue him, 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 him. And everything else becomes secondary. So what does God want to test in our lives in order to, for us to be a good steward of the dreams that he's given us? Well, first thing is this. God wants to test us in the area of trust. How many know that you don't just trust anybody? Right? How many know you need healthy boundaries in your relationship? How many know you need to use wisdom in your relationships? Because if you don't, you could get burned. How many have been burned before? How many do not want to get burned again? Okay, good. I'm glad that we're all being honest this morning. God wants to know if he can trust you with his dream. Listen to this. Your faithfulness with this trust will determine the depth of your influence and the strength of your legacy. I'm going to read it again. Your faithfulness with this trust will determine the depth of your influence and the strength of your legacy. What does he test in order for you to be trusted? Well, there's two things I want to reference this morning. There's two very specific tests that God will test us with in order to see if he can trust us with the dream of God for your life and through your life. The first thing is this. He wants to teach you how to steward influence. We're seeing on the mainstream media right now a lot of people that are stewarding influence in a very poor way. They're using it as a means to bring fear. They're using it as a means to control, to coerce, to dominate, to twist, to deceive, to lie, to do all these things. But in actuality, it doesn't bring us to any point of peace or any point of truth. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 19. I want to read this. This is an incredible passage of, in the Bible, a dialogue between Jesus and his disciples, and most specifically with Peter. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea at Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I would have news for you this morning. I think Jesus is asking the same question to you. He's asking the same question to all of us. Who is he to you? Is he just some nice guy that you've heard about that you think is a pretty cool guy? Was he a prophet? Was he crazy? Was he Lord? What was he? And if I can say it like this, was, is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Who is he to you? So Simon Peter, of course, being all bold, answered, Right away. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. 
Jesus was telling Peter in one, uh, one moment of time, in one captured moment in time, he was telling him, this is how you steward influence. When you put all of your identity and all of your hopes and all of your passions and all of your dreams absolutely locked up into the Messiah, Jesus Christ, then he's going to teach us how to do incredible things. Number one, to stop doors and to unlock doors. That's what he's going to do. That's the very heartbeat of God. But what's interesting is right at the end of this verse, Jesus goes on and tells his disciples, well, you know what, boys, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And, And Peter looks at him and says, there's no way on the face of the planet, Jesus, that you're going to die. You just told us about all these incredible plans and you just told us about this church that's over going to come hell and going to overcome all these circumstances and your response is that I'm going to die? Jesus looks right at Peter and says, get away from me, Satan, for you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. How is it that Peter could go from having godly influence one moment to ungodly influence the next? How is that possible? How could he turn on a dime like that? How many know that part of stewarding something is that we have to learn and we have to grow? And so I want to challenge you this morning. Part of the process of God for those dreams that are in your heart and the dreams that's in God's heart for you, part of the process is that he's going to teach you how to steward influence well. And sometimes you're going to mess up. But you've got to get down, get back up, and keep going. You've got to repent and move on. He goes on. Uh, in this passage, and he says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Can I say it like this? You must give up your own dream. Take up your cross and follow him. For if you try to hang on to your dream, you will lose it. But if you give up your dream for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? In one moment, he went from godly to ungodly. He went from ungodly or godly influence to ungodly influence in one moment. But what did Jesus come back to? Jesus came back to follow me. Pursue the one who gave you the dream in the first place. When you keep coming back to that, you're going to be okay. So we've learned how to steward influence. We've learned that it's incredibly important. I think when we turn on the media today, we would see the influence of Uh, of people and and their words and the things that they say. So we have to steward our influence well. But the second thing is this, and I'll say this, especially for us as dads and as us as men, these are the two big whammies for us. How do we steward our influence? And the second thing is how do we steward our authority? Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 20, it says this, when the 72 disciples returned, so Peter is included in that list, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you. But here's the key, verse 20. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. One version says, because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. What is it about at the end of the day? It's about who you identify with. Listen, don't get overly excited about what you're uh, defeating right now, because that should never be the focal point. When we're struggling in our faith, we usually put all of the emphasis on defeating something because we feel like it's going to make us feel better. But God is saying to you this morning, it's not about defeating something, it's about who you are. Because when you are rooted in who you are, defeating is a natural byproduct of your relationship with Christ. Amen? That was a good word. Thank you. Okay, moving right along. 
Ephesians 3.20, if you guys remember that verse, but that one last little part of that verse said this, according to his power that is at work in us. So we can accomplish the dream, the superabundant dream and goal of God when his power is actively at work in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds. God will always entrust us with a measure of authority. And authority, in essence, is the right to act. How many know that when a police officer is in the middle of an intersection because the, the lights are out and he wears that nice little orange vest, how many know that he does not have the physical capability of stopping a vehicle? But he has the authority to. All he has to do is show his hand, and you're not doing anything. You're just staying right there. And it's not because he has the power to overcome, but it's because he has the authority to overcome. He has the authority to speak to that particular situation. And I have news for you today. God has given us a measure of authority. But how much we gain more in that authority is how much we use it well, how much we steward it well. How many know that the one warning that God has given to fathers is, is you know, don't exasperate your children. It's the only warning. Why does he say that? Because he knows that men have a default mode to get frustrated and exasperated and take that out on somebody else. So we have to be a good steward of what God has given us. Give a good steward of the authority that Christ is given us. God gives us authority. Not so that we can build ourselves up. But so that we can build others up. Think about this. Authority will always add weight to your words. Confidence to your counsel. And credibility to your correction. That's the, that's the root of authority, okay? But it's never meant to be a leader's weapon. It's meant to be a servant's tool. And there's a huge difference. Huge difference. Amen? God plants a dream in our heart. He asks us to pursue the dream giver. And then he trains us how to steward that dream well. Kind of sounds like the role of a father, eh? That's exactly what he's asking us to do, man. He's asking us to do the same thing. The third thing is this. Not only wants us to be a dream pursuer, he wants us to be a dream steward, but he wants us to be a dream releaser. Uh, I love Acts chapter 3. When Jesus has died, he's resurrected, he's gone off. One of the first moments that Peter had to interact as the head of the church. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 8, he says this. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he, is put ev- uh, where he was put every day to beg for th- from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. What I do have I give you. What I do have I give you. Very heartbeat of a father is that what I do have I give you. Not what I do have I restrain from you and I take back from you and I keep from you and I, and I do all that stuff. Listen, God never called us as fathers to train and restrain, but to increase and release. That's the heart of God. He hasn't called us to train and restrain, but to increase and release. That is the heartbeat of God. So he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. What's interesting here is in the very moment that that Peter decided to give away what was given to him, 
for the first time in this man's life, he was actually able to get up and to pursue what God had given him. To that moment, he couldn't move. He was stuck in this place called dream paralysis. He couldn't get anywhere. But in that moment, Peter unlocked something in him because he decided to release what God had given him. He didn't hold it to himself. He didn't hold it on. He didn't, he didn't you know, watch the TV show Hoarders. He didn't do any of that. Right? He actually released the very plan and the gift and the purpose of God from that which was given to him by Jesus Christ, and he released it into somebody else. And what happened? literally says that many came to Christ as a result of this man's testimony. He started pursuing his dream. Peter was a dream releaser because he learned it from the master dream releaser, which was Jesus Christ. I just want to take a moment just to look at what Jesus did with Peter. Those principles that we can learn about being a dream releaser. Number one is this. Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says, And Jesus appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him. That they might be with him. That they might be with him. Fathers, this morning, I want to encourage you. You know, you know what your kids want more than anything else? Just you. Time with you. That trumps everything else. Nothing else matters. Just time with you. And not time disconnected or distracted by other things, but just time with you. What's the first thing we have to understand? Jesus understood that one of the keys to being a dream releaser was to walk closely, was to be with them. Okay? Dream releasers don't recite what you should have done. They just decide to walk beside you and walk with you no matter what. The second thing is this. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 32. It says, Simon, Simon, uh, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Question number one is, what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus prayed for and interceded for those that he was mentoring, those that he was training, that, those that he was pouring into. I don't know about you, but there's nothing greater as a father for your children than to be the one that stands in the gap and takes the bullets for your kids and does whatever it takes to pray for them and intercede for them and to cheerlead them on to the very place that God has for them. That's our role. Why? Because it comes from a place of validation. Why why are children suffering today? Why is this generation suffering today? Well, I don't know if you knew this, but as of right now, 2016 is, is a year... Uh, that has, is unlike any other year. It's unlike any other time in the history of mankind. Simply this. The greatest percentage of kids being raised without a father is the greatest it's ever been right now. But what do we see? We see a generation coming up that is desperately looking for validation. And they look for it in all the wrong ways. Because they are looking for attention in all the wrong ways. Listen, fathers, validate your children. Tell them how incredibly precious they are, not only to you, but to God. If you don't have that situation where maybe you're, you know, if you're here in this place and your father isn't around, you know what, you can get from Jesus Christ and from those that God would bring into your life. But listen and look for those people that God would want to put in your life. Because God knows exactly what you need, how you need it, and when you need it. Amen? Here's a simple little question for you. In your prayer life, what percentage, is pray, is, what percentage of your prayer life are you actually praying for yourself or your own needs? And what percentage of your prayer life you're actually praying for someone else's? It'll give you a great little testimony of where you put your emphasis. Okay? Solomon's prayer was for wisdom to lead the nation of God. It wasn't for more stuff for him. He didn't know what to do. He needed wisdom to lead. The third thing is this. A dream releaser, I know it's going to sound like completely opposite, but a dream releaser confronts. Why? Because he values the treasure that's on the inside of you. 
They, they confront because of a deep commitment to a person's future. How many know that we, we confront not to destroy, but we confront to, to, um, to assist and align them to the very heartbeat of God for their life? Amen? Matthew 16, 23, it says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. We don't confront it of a place of bitterness and frustration. We confront it of a deep sense of love and purpose for our children's lives. The fourth thing is this. A dream releaser protects. John 18.10 says this. Simon Peter, therefore having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. It's amazing. He cut off the very source of his ability to hear what Jesus was going to say. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Listen, a dream releaser protects people from their own unharnessed ambitions. That's the wisdom of a father. We protect our children from their own unharnessed ambitions. We protect them. We teach them to read the signs and not curse them. We teach them to read the keys that are all arranged. I want to end with a little story this morning. Um, For those that have been here since day one, you may have heard this story before, but I haven't shared this story in a long time. But I remember reading a, novel, or a book a number of years ago. It was actually before we moved to Kingston, and it was a book that had so impacted my life. It had so impacted me, not just as an individual, but most importantly as a pastor, as a leader in a church. And I remember listening to this story going, my goodness, that's the very heartbeat of God for people. That's the very heartbeat of God, if I can say it like this, for Kingston. For those people that are going to step into this church, for those people that we're going to see out in our communities and our workplaces, these are the very things that we want to see. Anyway, the author, his name is Wayne Codero. I've already referenced or quoted him twice this morning. Uh, he's an incredible man of God. He's a pastor of New Life Church or New Hope Church, sorry, in Oahu, Hawaii. If you're ever going to be called to plant a church, that's the place to plant. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to plant a church, Hawaii could very well be the place. Um, but when Wayne Codero grew up, when he grew up, he was actually a, mil- a military kid. He was in a military family. And he was stationed in Japan in the 60s. And uh, obviously things were very different back then in Japan. And most of the time their family, uh, by habit, would stay as close to the army base as possible. But every once in a while they would go off base and they would go into the community and they would see some things have a family day. So one day they actually went on this day trip, out into the community. And as they were kind of going about their life and about their day, they came across this very interesting thing. And Wayne, who was a young boy at the time, was fascinated with birds. One of the things that he noticed when he was in Japan was all the different types of birds they had never seen before because where they were from in the U.S., there was just different types of birds. And so he was fascinated by that. So one day he went and he saw this store owner. And he was out kind of actually outside in the middle of this, this area that overlooked this incredible cliff that actually looked down to the ocean. It was this beautiful view. And there was this store owner that had uh, on these tables out front all of these bamboo cages that had all, in these bamboo cages all these finches, these beautiful yellow finches. And Wayne was absolutely taken aback by these these birds, and so he comes up, and he's looking at these birds, and he's, he's all in tune, and enthralled, and he's like, my goodness, those are like some of the most beautiful birds I've ever seen, and then he noticed as people came by, they were, they were for sale, he was selling them, and he's like, well, how, how much are they, and the store owner said, uh, they're 100 yen, which back in those days was 36 cents, so he's thinking to himself, that is a steal to get an exotic bird that's so beautiful like that, to get it for 36 cents, 
I'm going to grab one. So he went back to his parents, asked them for money, grabbed the 36 cents, came back, literally handed the store owner, here's uh, money, can, can I have one of those uh, bird cages, please? And he says, yes, here you go. So he grabbed the bird cage and he turns and he starts walking away. And the store owner yells out to him, oh, when you're finished, can you bring back the cage? He's sitting there going, well, I'm not going to eat the bird. Like, what are you thinking? Why, why do I need to bring back the cage? So he comes back, and he asks, and he finds out, and he says, the 100 yen is to take the bird to the edge of the cliff, open the cage, and release him. And Wayne's like, I didn't pay 100 yen for that. What are you thinking? And he struggled with this, because as a young boy, Wayne knew exactly what he wanted to do, but he also understood the instructions from the store owner, and because he was not a local and he wasn't a native, and because there was a world war in the past 20 years between those two countries, he thought probably now is not the time to start World War III. So I'm not going to start World War III with a bunch of birds. I'm going to just do what the store owner asks. So he, he walks with the cage, and he goes to the edge of the cliff, and he holds the cage out, and he opens the door on the bamboo cage, and the bird looks at the door opening, looks out, kind of looks back at Wayne and looks back out and then looks back at Wayne as if to say, are you for real? Is this serious? You're going to actually let me go? And so Wayne had to come beside the cage and just had to nudge on the side of the cage. And that finch took a couple steps out, got to the end of the cage, and then took off. And he started to soar. And he saw this yellow finch just soaring all over. And then this one moment, this giant yellow finch just comes flying down. And he swoops down right in front of Wayne and then takes back off again. Almost as if to say, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to pursue what I want to pursue. Listen, the heart of every father is to nudge the cage. The heart of every father is to open the cage door. And to nudge those little lives to do the very thing God's called them to do. Not to get them in a, in, to align themselves to accomplish your dream and your purpose and your plan. But for you to come alongside and to release them into their plan and their dream. The very thing that God's given them. And I'll tell you right now as fathers, when we pursue God, they're going to pursue God. When we put God first as the dream giver in our life, they're going to put God first. Because they're going to follow exactly what you've done. Little Wayne followed what the store owner asked him because he knew to do, like, to do otherwise would be dangerous. It would be wrong. It would be a direct assault and a direct affront to the very heartbeat of God for him in that moment. Nudge the cage, man. There's nothing else more important than for you right now than to nudge the cage of your kids' hearts and to see them do what God's called them to do. Don't hold back. Don't hold back your praise. Don't hold back your validation. Don't hold back those things that you never got yourself. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. You say, well, I never received that. It's okay. Give whatever you got and give it away. Peter and John, what I have, I don't, you know, silver and gold we don't have, but what I do have, I'll give to you. That's okay. Don't give them the silver and gold if that's not what you have. But give what you do have and give it away. And then give it away. And then give it away. And then give it away. Every day. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.